You're listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show iZombie. My name is Robin, and my lips are moving, but it's the system talking. My name is Stephanie, and currently I'm in between television shows. (laughs) I'm in between seasons. (laughs) There you go. Boom. And I'm Jen, and I will not fire any of Leslie's employees, but I'll have to put them through insensitivity training. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Oscar. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the show, Jen. Thank you. <laughs> We're here to talk about the Whopper and Eternal Sunshine of the Caffeinated Mind, which is the opposite of how Steph's feeling right now. So we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna. <sighs> this might be a a long one, but maybe not. Maybe it's gonna be a short one. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um. So let's get uh, right into it. Well, I I do have to actually ask Jen, why did you uh, reserve these couple episodes? Uh, I just remembered that I really liked the caffeinated episode because I like the fact that the person gets away with it. I don't think we've had anybody get away with it yet. Um, nor do I think anybody gets away with it later on. Mm. So I thought that's interesting. And I really love Oscar Nunez. And I remember, I think I called in on the original run and I was like, Oh, I just rewatched the office and I loved it. So that was the reason why I picked it. But then these are two awesome episodes. They're like full of stuff and lame is and everything. So it turned out good. The Whopper is a pretty huge episode, and it was the uh, it might have been the season finale um, if they got thirteen episodes. They didn't get extended to nineteen, uh, but it wasn't, so they reworked things. Yeah, I actually just uh, re-listened to. It was pretty exciting when we were podcasting about these episodes uh, back in like a year ago, um, and I just re-listened to the Rob Thomas interview and the Rob Buckley interview we did in pretty much. The, like between between these episodes, it it it, it was crazy, crazy times. And uh, folks, Back. if you haven't heard those, please check them out. They're they're still so much fun to listen to. I think. Um, so uh, let's get on to the news. Uh, the news. Uh, well, first off, uh, uh, on Jeopardy the other night in the category Women in Television, uh, this uh, answer came up. Working in the coroner's office gives Liv more access to fresh brains on this CW series. And uh, did anybody answer it? Actually, they, they, as David Anders tweeted after, it's official. iZombie is in the ether and legitimate as all get out. Trebek gave the answer, and a contestant gave the correct question. What is all iZombie? right? Yay! Yeah, because you never know. Because I feel like people who are really smart are not they don't pay attention to pop culture <laughs> it usually is like you know that what i mean Jeopardy. yeah yeah like they're answering all the stuff about like uh the genus of uh bugs but um <laughs> like, like a pop culture category comes up and they're like what and i'm screaming at my tv so uh-huh right. <laughs> that's why i like watching celebrity jeopardy so i know oh, the yes. answer <laughs> yes <laughs> oh in the teen tournament too <laughs> yeah yeah or the kids even yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, also, a 45-second trailer came out. Uh, I kind of well, – it's, 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 a lot of stuff's been <laughs> happening this week. I, I broke it down. I did a whole Twitter moment thing. You can check it out. But uh, there really isn't much more to talk about on the podcast, and I'm sure you guys have all seen it already. Um, basically, a couple things happen. Liv talks to Peyton, Clive, Major, and Ravi and says, no more big secrets between them anymore. And, uh, and they all look very shifty after Liv says that. Um, also, we see that we're going to pick up right after the events of Salivation Army. Because um, we see uh, Vivian bellowing for everyone to take cover as her zombie militia blows up the parking garage where the Max Rager party was held. And so, uh, you know, all those dead bodies can probably be blamed on maybe, I don't know, a gas leak or a, a terrorist attack. Who knows um, what they're going to come up with, but. Uh, so it looks like a really exciting first episode 
Um, in TV Guide, uh, they said the love. They came up with an article uh, about the love triangle, <laughs> and they said it will be a central focus on iZombie when it returns. Uh, how will she choose? Well, she might have some help if you can call it that. One of them does something so shocking that she may never be able to look at him the same way again. That's what TV Guide was teasing. <laughs> um, and TV Line uh, said that uh, during the first three episodes of the new season, Blaine sings three times. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. The first one is a uh, fun nod to the dearly departed Rob Thomas. Um, not the mm. Not the showrunner, but the singer. And uh, they they tease the next two brains uh, or songs. I might have just wrote brains instead of songs. That's why I <laughs> podcast about iZombie. <laughs> the next two songs are courtesy of Blaine's new job. That's what it is in quotes. Blaine's new job. So who knows what that new job is or what he's singing about? Hmm. I don't know. Um, also, LexCon happened in this past weekend, and there was this big panel with Malcolm and Allie, and uh, I posted it in the group. You might be able to see it on YouTube if you're not a part of the Facebook group. Uh, but there's a few things that they they talked about here. I'm just going to really run through it quick. Um, again, asked about brains. They said, it's fine on its own, the, the agar that the brains are made out of. It's fine on its own, but blended with food, it's really gross. Um, when Malcolm ate those that agar on a piece of pizza. He said he couldn't eat pizza for five months, <laughs> which is wow. <laughs> and Allie said after eating, after seeing Rose eat the BLT, she was put off BLTs for quite a while after that. <laughs> um, Malcolm talked a bit about his background as well. I, he said that he had his heroes were um, James Earl Jones and Tony Randall because they both had speech impediments like him and they got through it. Huh? And, uh, very successful actors. He's, yeah. And apparently they asked him what he does to prepare. Uh, and he says, well, first it takes me about 15 minutes to get into uh, Clive's pants because they're the tightest. <laughs> and then he get this. He, he recites in his trailer at full volume, uh, something called ode by Arthur Shaughnessy. And he says it's a ritual that he's done every day since college. And if you're not familiar with Ode, it's the one that you probably would attribute to Willy Wonka because it starts with, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. Like there's a whole poem to that if you want to look it up. Um, but he like recites that and then he huh. comes out of his trailer and even Rose is like said, what are you bellowing about in there? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's, I, I, I like to learn things like that about actors. Yep. Now, um, uh, I, like I said, I re-listened to that Rob Buckley interview and he talked about a prank that he played on uh, Malcolm on set, which was the one, if you remember, they were supposed to walk into a scene and they they called action and Rob immediately grabbed uh, Malcolm's hand and wouldn't let it go. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cli uh, Clive. Malcolm talked about another prank that Rob pulled on the set, which was right at the end of Patriot Brains. Now, there's a scene where Clive has to go up in the apartment and Major is telling um, him about this body that's on his bedroom floor. But, of course, uh, Julian's disappeared. And so he said that several times, right when they called action and they were supposed to walk into the scene together – uh, Buckley, uh, well, farted and made Malcolm walk through the cloud of noxious gas that uh, oh, he left behind him on purpose. Oh, yeah. I, now that I, that I didn't want to know. <laughs> uh, they, they asked, they were asked what the brain, the brain that was, that it was hardest to not crack up during and they hit. Allie and M Malcolm were all about the D&D &D brain that I cannot wait. It's the ninth episode. It's called 20 sided comma die. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they said, and, she, and he, he said like, there's a gag reel for that episode alone. Like there's gotta be. <laughs> and apparently Allie's favorite quotes is, uh, when Clive says, where's the dang lich. So I guess we're going to have to wait to see the context of that. But I looked up the word lich, and I guess it means spellcaster. So. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I'd never heard that word before. Lich. Okay. 
Um, Allie was asked about working with Rose, and she said that her and Rose actually bonded over their hatred of cats. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, apparently, Allie is deathly allergic to cats, so that's that's her big problem with them. So. And uh, a final teaser, this wasn't at LexCon, this was at an interview done um, right around the same time. Um, but they, the, the interviewer wrote down that um, Malcolm teased that Clive was, is more connected to the zombie universe than he really knew. And you find out through a crazy turn of events um, that happened years ago in his past. So we're going to know a little bit more about uh. Clive's past next season and somehow he's connected to zombies as well. So, so, does, so see, that's what I don't understand. So zombieism isn't a new thing. Might not be. Who knows? Who knows where it came huh. from? I mean, maybe not everybody thinks that live infected Blaine. Maybe Blaine <laughs> was infected some other way. How did all these other zombies get infected? Where did Vivian come from? I still don't think that they know how it works. I, yeah, I, well, you know, it, I think it's more of a question of uh, more like they probably don't want to nail it down and hold themselves to something. Well, yeah. like I said, I gave up trying to figure it out. But <laughs> even in the rewatch, I think I'm more confused. I think <laughs> they have two. There's like you either get scratched mm-hmm. or you can get it from maybe I have this wrong. But to me, I was looking at it two ways. You either get scratched and you get it. Or you get exposed to the tainted utopium Max Rager combo and you can get it. But to me, it doesn't make sense how you could get the same outcome from those two events. So that's why I had to give up trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Maybe there's because a couple of it was just versions of zombie. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and then it seems like like all the I know we're getting ahead and we didn't really okay. see them in these episodes, but like the Romero zombies at Max Rager, like are they they were never had the opportunity to be functioning with their brains because they weren't given it to them? Or is it because they're given a combination that turns them directly into those zombies? Like, that's what mm. I'm sort of confused about. So See, I always thought I don't that, know like, if... they were found after they were... I don't know. I thought maybe they were found after they returned to Romero's, and that's why they wanted Liv's blood so much, was because they didn't have access to a zombie... But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's like there's just too many questions, and I'm too analytical or black and white when I think about it. So I just had to be like, nope, no science. So I'm glad <laughs> that uh, your other uh, the person who emails in every week has taken up the mantle because oh, yeah, 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 my life is much <laughs> much better if I just ignore it. Efrex <laughs> makes us sound very smart, uh, but of course these are all conversations that do lead to people. Some people screaming at their phones, and uh, and, <laughs> and uh, speaking of, uh, I do have to bring up a one bit of feedback before we get started in the episode. And Harold probably didn't think this was going to be feedback, but I had to copy because it, it made me laugh. <laughs> Harold says in our Facebook group, I'm about 15 minutes into the podcast and I'm in screaming at my phone mode. So please humor me. Number one, the reason that the chaos killers victims tend to be one percenters is that Blaine was only turning wealthy people who could afford his $25,000 a month brain meal plan. He wants team Z to be exclusive. But yeah, we were trying to figure out like, <laughs> I don't know. why is it only rich people are being frozen? Duh. Oh yeah, I yelled at my phone too. I thought it was that he wants to, like, he wants people in strategic areas that he can control, so mm-hmm. he can have more control over what, like, what information is getting out and yeah. control the situation and who knows it. And you know, that's why he had the um, Suzuki turn so he could control the police, yeah, and then yeah, he has yeah, the yeah. the news guy in these ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, the extreme effects of Supermax does have a payoff. It creates the super zombies that we see in the season finale. See, I just thought they were just hungry zombies. <laughs> so maybe maybe there's more to it. See, the thing is, I'm terrible at remembering things when I'm not rewatching stuff. Like, like actually more like when I am rewatching stuff, I'm probably even worse if I didn't do this rewatch. So... I don't know why people listen. (laughs) Number three. uh, I don't remember the exact details, but didn't Clive get major released by dropping the charges against him? 
Wasn't that why Dale felt betrayed by him and she left town? Yeah, I just forgot. Sorry. That was another conversation where I'm like, why? Because I think we were talking about the fact that Major is exonerated for his crimes in that yeah. in the synopsis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's get into... Maybe it's just a way of saying the crimes were forgiven. Yeah. Like they were just, I don't know. The synopsis was kind of catching us up on what's happening, what we're coming back from. Anyway... Let's get into one of the biggest episodes of the season, The Whopper. So, who wants to go first? Whopper. I mean, I have a ton of notes in front of me, so I'm just gonna, I, I just wanted to say I'm still convinced, even though Rob Thomas actually says in his interview that it's not about us, uh, that Boba Chat is a shout-out to the iZombie podcast, just because it's a podcast. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it, they probably didn't want to have it like Robbie listening to our podcast. He, you know, it would have been really meta. So he had Robbie listen to a Star Wars one. So he was just laying the groundwork so that we all remembered in the next episode how important Star Wars is to him. That's true. That's true. Um, so the case is uh, kind of a confusing one. Uh, when it comes to how it, you know, kind of inter, inter, interwines with the stuff that's happened before, our missing drug dealers, um, the fact that Drake got shot, who shot Drake. Um, but it turns out that Big Fish was a, kind of a, a skeezy nobody on the outside, but a, a, a cold-blooded enforcer on the inside uh, that was uh, working for Mr. Boss. I don't know if you guys have anything more about that. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I just I think I was confused but I think I so I rewatched these twice more for this and I still there's so much information but when Drake is gonna take Liv to his supposed high school friends house the reason the mom doesn't know who Drake is is because they weren't high school friends right they were just in Mr. Boss's organization together yeah Okay. So Drake isn't letting live in on the fact that he's selling or was <laughs> he was part of the Utopium ring at all, even though Liv knows that it exists and that Donnie's a part of it. And yeah. So uh, it's like Yeah, that's why I was like, what would have happened if if Drake would have took Liv there? I, I yeah, well that's the thing. He like pretended to be sick. But I don't know where he was at that time. Well, no, his his he was on hypochondriac brain. Oh, okay. So yeah, he see, couldn't leave. Yeah, yeah, I know. But yeah. it didn't. It, it was weird. It was sketchy. She was sitting outside, and she saw like the, somebody walk by the window. But it could have been any. I don't. Did I don't know. Maybe, oh, I thought it was just the mom. Oh, was it just the mom? Um. So it. I don't know if they did like a quick insert inside the house with him just sitting there like under a bunch of blankets or something. You know. <laughs> Because I automatically thought that was suspicious. Where's Where's Drake? You know. Well, but he like he did it earlier in the episode when they were in bed, and he and she quoted Schwarzenegger. You know, she's like, "It's not a tumor." Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I know. I know he was doing it earlier, but it was almost like I don't know. It was just weird how they (laughs) just you just kind of hear him over the phone, and that's it. Um, I believe there was a phone conversation that she was having with him and he was like basically sitting in a car outside Mr. Boss's, I believe, when Liv and uh, Liv and uh, Clive were coming out of that, coming out of there. So I don't know. Um, anyway, minutia. Our, our, our good friend uh, Tyrell here uh, accused of murdering a dock worker named Popeye, which I just love. It's a dock worker named Popeye. Um, but it's actually Big Fish that killed Popeye. I can't believe that's a sentence. Big Fish killed Popeye. Um, and then I guess so Drake showed up looking for Vic and Lonnie and then gets shot in the process. So um, anyway, it's a it's a very twisty thing, but it, I, I don't know. I, I kind of figured it out as we went along after thinking about it for a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's very twisty, but it's really neat that... Yeah. The, that it's all related and we get, uh, you know, an explanation of how Drake got shot and mm-hmm. how this is involved with Stacy Boss and it's our brain of the week. Yeah. Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that Liv 
in visiting Vic's mother gets a fit a vision of because she sees Vic in a picture, Vic and Lonnie in a picture, and then all of a sudden gets a vision of Fish shooting Vic and Lonnie, and then knows where they're buried <laughs> by the swing set. Yeah. It was so handy that there was a picture of them in a swing set on the mom's mint. <laughs> Were they standing next to a swing set in the picture? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I got to say the pathological liar brain was fun to start off with, but then it just kind of, I don't know, did it disappear? It seemed like it disappeared. Like there was too much other stuff that we're concentrating on. Well, and she would just walk up to Clive and just start lying for no reason. Yeah. Like the lotto winner thing. Yeah. Yeah. Did Clive not tell you I won in the lottery or, <laughs> or I was a, a, a number off or something like that? Yeah. Uh, so this actually, uh, this is a big deal here. Uh, when Clive says to Ravi, like, how do you not see it? She takes on the personality traits of the victims <laughs> that we're investigating. So that was great. He's so close. So close. <laughs> He's obviously the next step is going to be she's obviously a zombie <laughs> and is eating brains. Uh, so in the meantime, we have Angus's will. We have Blaine's background. We find out more about Blaine that Freda Bader uh, killed his dog. He's so scary. Oh, yeah. That even though he had he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, he still had a hard life. Like he literally like. Sometimes you like talk. They, well, they, they say, I'm going to make you clean that floor with your tongue. But apparently Blaine literally had to clean a floor with his tongue when he was a kid and was put in a dog house or a dog crate or something. And then, yeah. And then she like murdered his dog and grew a rose bush. Or whatever. <laughs> it's like super terrible. Evil. And, and Angus <laughs> just this like no care at all. And he's like so happy to, Hand off his assets to 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 Frau Bader. Um, of course, at the time when he's doing this will, he's probably thinking that um, if he dies prematurely, it, it's probably going to be because of his son. So, but wow, still, <laughs> that's cold. Angus is cold in this episode. Very cold. <laughs> you could say he's a popsicle. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to make a joke here. <laughs> Um, but uh, I do hope we get more major and blame scenes. Like I, yeah. I enjoyed them, even though they were kind of antagonistic. Mm-hmm. I like seeing. Well, I guess now we maybe will because major's a zombie again. But like, especially when he had to interact with uh, Donnie and uh, <laughs> Chief. Is that his name? Yep. Chief. Yep. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just. Like, he hasn't seen him. Like, this was huge. Like, he hadn't seen him since he was sitting there bleeding on the floor of uh, the meat queue. And I just wrote in my notes, like, this is like a nice bit of continuity. Because in Blaine's world, Blaine gets the cure and leaves before Liv scratches Major. And then in Grumpy Old Liv, Blaine says that he didn't see Major listed among the dead and assumed he's a zombie. And and it's in this episode that he discovers, uh uh uh, he major got the cure too, and is just like him. He's got zombie dar. Mm-hmm. So I thought that's cool. Like Rob Thomas is juggling so many balls in this episode and uh, mm-hmm. really scoring pretty well here. And the fact, well, and so that's why I also think that there's two distinct ways of becoming a zombie because. Blaine scratches people to make them zombies. So even though he has the utopium, he's not feeding people like utopium because he has no idea that Max Rager is the one behind um, yeah. Major's like purpose as the chaos killer. Right. So well, like he thinks you, you can only make Blaine doesn't Pardon? scratch people. Blaine can't scratch. Doesn't him. didn't he scratch the woman in the first season? Who then you know? She... Oh yeah, when he was a zombie. I'm saying right now he doesn't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so I he mean, has like, someone do it. Yeah, chief. yeah, he has someone do it. But he right, like if he knew that Max Rager and Utopium could because he has all that Utopium. If he knew that combination would make zombies, then that would be an easier way also to mm-hmm. like 
you know, he could just feed basically drug people into becoming zombies instead of getting close enough to scratch them or whatever. Yeah. So, and it's, it's crazy. This is this, this whole thing, like, like a lot of the stuff that has to do with Blaine, Angus, Frau Bader, this all like disappears after this episode. And I mean, Blaine has his own troubles with Mr. Boss, but really like, I, I'm assuming that if we got like a full 22 episodes, we might have had because I was looking forward to some Blaine Max Rager interaction. You know, maybe it's Blaine in the same room as Von de Clark, <laughs> but that never happened. So I'm I'm assuming, you know, it's kind of weird. You you would think planning out a season like this, all these threads would end up meshing together perfectly. And oh my uh, gosh, can you imagine if there was Rita Blaine, the super zombie villains? <sighs> Like, like the spike and drew of uh, yeah. I Zombie. Oh my gosh. I'm off to write fan fiction. You guys take it from here. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Um, so, yeah, it's this, this major Blaine interaction is great. The fact that, <clears throat> you know, Blaine, of course, threatens Liv's life and now makes major work for him. But now Major also has something over Blaine because he's not going to tell him exactly who's giving him the list. It's he needs an exchange and he gets the reporter. Yada yada yada. Um, what else? Oh, <laughs> um, Liv suggests to Ravi that they use Blaine as a guinea pig. Ravi says, "No, oh, we'll stick with rats." And Liv says, "What more does he have to do to prove that he's the devil?" Cut to a photo of Blaine sticking his tongue out and giving the devil horns to surveillance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what else? G- Chief got off a great that's what she said joke. Well, almost did. <laughs> um, bu- 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 bu. So, let's see. Oh, yeah. There's lots of lies here. Uh, the other other lies I was writing, I wrote down. Major Major comes up with this crappy excuse for C- for. He wants to make sh- he wants to ask Liv about the f- fact that he's that Blaine's interacting with her, but he doesn't want to tell her about the Max Rager connection or why like he got how he got caught or yada yada. So he just comes up with a story like I was taking my grandmother on a tour of cemeteries and Liv's like, "Oh yeah?" <laughs> like like doesn't bat an eye. <laughs> um and meanwhile Liv of course Liv is distracted because she's got Drake in the bedroom. And uh, is lying about having her brother over, and now she, she's made up with her brother. Everything's fine. Um, yeah, they're both lying to each other mm-hmm. and, so hard. <laughs> and then when she finally gets rid of Major, Drake comes out, and uh, he's been called by Mister Boss to to come come to his uh, headquarters, and he's pretending that he's got to go do a bouncing gig. So it's just like that one scene is like lie, 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 lie. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what else? Uh, well, we have, we have to mention one day more, one day more, Mm. the amazing one day more scene. Um, if only it was the original cast recording and not the (laughs) film. Yeah. In the interview with Russell Crowe, the interview with Rob Thomas, uh, he was, he had no idea. He thought, he thought they were doing the Broadway. That was what he'd grown up with, you know, um, he said they spent 80% of their music budget that, that episode for that song and that they picked that song because they wanted the sound of triumph. Um, that is the sound of triumph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the looking for the utopium in, you know, uh, that was great because mm-hmm. they, they just kept you interested over all these episodes and then finally yeah. they found the... The blade, the uh, the fake leg, prosthetic, yeah. yeah. And even the line starts right at the beginning with Ravi telling the lie about them, that they're geocaching, and oh, yeah. that's how they found yeah. the body. Yeah, and of course, yeah, Clive is constantly getting lied to by everybody. But yeah, how that how that whole thing ends with the freeze frame and Ravi raising the fake leg and Liv just <laughs> screaming. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's great. Um, oh yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. But I'm, I'm just so glad that wasn't the season finale. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I mean, yes, it was great, but what we got was better. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 
And I asked Rob Thomas about that, and he said that they would have had more resolutions if this was. Ah, yeah. okay. He so it would have never been a completely this. different yeah. episode. Or, yeah, okay. or just I don't know, more jam-packed into it or more stretched out over. I don't know. Um, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. The the, the, the line about the lo- this is this must be the longest day ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh Rob Thomas had said that this is because they had so many scenes that were during day two of the show that because uh, he had to worry about Blaine keeping Major in a casket for, and Angus on ice only for so long. So they had to cram all this stuff about the case in like one day of the show. In <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, what else? Oh, um, in the interview, he I did ask him about the rules. I don't I'm sorry if people have listened to this recently, but I just thought this was fun enough to bring back up again. The rules about eating a brain. He said that eating a brain is like having a pot brownie. Sometimes it hits you strong right off the bat. And sometimes it takes a while to kick in. And, um, and the visions are usually caused by, or are the visions are usually are usually of adrenalized moments in the victim's life. And, you know, it's usually something that's happening to them that's, you know, getting their blood pumping. A major emotional event. Mm-hmm. And he says sometimes that rule gets broken. Uh, and he, and he uh, referred to the scene in Fifty Shades of Grey Matter where um, the victim was just reading a man, uh, her novel to her husband who's sitting in there in a wheelchair. And yeah. just to kind of point the finger towards him. So, uh, but... Uh, I think my last note was just uh, Jimmy Choo gets put on ice. Jimmy Choo, the reporter. And we see all the people in Salvation Army that were in, but except for um, Zombie Hooker. And I don't think we saw Jimmy either. I don't, I don't know. You guys remember seeing the reporter in the last episode of iZombie season two? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been like a year. <sighs> Anyway, anything else about the Whopper that you guys wanted to mention before we move on to the next one? I just think it's funny now that we know so much about Drake, how, like, shocking or, like, you know, how involved he looked and how, like, Liv is so mad at him when he's basically (laughs) an accessory. And then, you know, because we get to watch them back to back, we're, like, immediate, like, oh, okay, he's an undercover, you know cop or whatever but like i remember <laughs> watching it the first time and we were like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah I, I asked her in that interview i said drake drake's a bad guy right <laughs> he wouldn't <laughs> say so i was even think that he, thinking that he was bad uh all right so uh luckily we watched these back to back but uh this week or back back in the day i think there was like several weeks between the whopper and eternal sunshine of the caffeinated mind and, uh, yeah, um, I think I, I posted this on Twitter. I think this image is one of the most disgusting images ever shown on iZombie, maybe even on TV, but yeah, there's a shot of the, uh, the, the corpse, which is mostly a rotted skeleton. And next to the corpse is a tray full of digested broken condoms. <laughs> Which I think is just the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Yeah. That was really... But, um, yeah, Robbie gets some some boat party utopium through there to experiment on. Yeah, all I keep thinking is, yes, you have utopium, but this doesn't guarantee anything. Mm -hmm. You still have to... You still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I love how Major is all about getting a shot of this stuff and they end up shooting up the, uh, zombie rat and, or the rat. And then it turns into like a scary ass CGI zombie rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With parts missing. With what? Like parts and skin missing. Like, oh, yeah, his bones cheek. and like, his cheek yeah. is missing. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Nasty. Um, what else? You, you picked this one. Jen, you want to talk a little bit about some of your favorite stuff in here? Uh, well, I just, so I like that the daughter is like, like, I love to hate her because she's so conniving. Yeah. And she's a terrible person. I mean, she planned her mom's Share. Birthday. But, um, 
I liked her on. I never finished Hannibal, but I liked her on Hannibal when I watched it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think the boyfriend's an idiot. <laughs> like Gilbert. Yeah. <laughs> Who apparently he's like a pretty famous uh, actor from Quebec, but I yeah. did not know. Um, what else? Is that? Well, I poor. I don't even remember what his name is, Oscar, in this episode, <laughs> and having to Stan. lie about, Stan, that's and right. having to lie about his alibi and being in the <laughs> the gas station. Um, Code Brown. <laughs> I sorry, I'm like all over the place. I yeah. kind of liked Pam being back. Yes. Um, that's kind of fun. It's a nice callback and nice continuity. I'm um, currently between lovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? I just, I, like, I just, I like tongue-in-cheek stuff and kind of darker comedy, so I think that's why I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> and the... poor Robbie, like, getting built up, you know, when Liv tells him that Jennifer Lawrence would totally be a great cat, <laughs> like, you know, he'd be a great catch for Jennifer Lawrence, and then she's, like, totally sold that um, Dar- Darcy, I think her name is. Yes. Um, is like Ravi's, the love of Ravi's life. And then yeah. she thinks she's making a pun, but she doesn't know that Harrison Ford piloted the, fal- the Maltese Falcon. So The Maltese Falcon? What are you Not talking about? the Maltese Falcon, sorry. I just looked at the my Millennium microphone Falcon, disgustedly. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The Millennium Falcon. I noticed on this second round, like I got like, you know, I got most of my laughs out of the whole Ravi getting annoyed that somebody doesn't know Star Wars. But then I noticed that he kind of sticks around for a moment. And then she talks about her love of transgressive poetry, which really makes his eyes roll. <laughs> oh, yes. She looks super familiar to you, but I don't know where she Yeah, from. I can't place her. She was in Caprica. Huh. Uh, huh. I did watch that, but... Yeah, so many years ago. Very yeah. familiar. She was in four episodes of the 4400. Hmm. Nope. She was in an episode of Supernatural. What's her name? I keep saying I'm going to watch that and still have not. I know Supernatural. people are screaming at me yeah, to watch Supernatural. Ooh, good luck. You got a long way to go. I got to catch up with Supernatural and I'm daunted. <laughs> and I was like six seasons in. <laughs> Um. Uh. Yeah. Quick note about the Code Brown thing. Uh. I wrote in here, which always makes me crack up. He talks about this, and meanwhile, Liv has a mouthful of coffee, which she immediately spits back <laughs> into her mug, <laughs> which is another great thing. I love. I love I Liv on this brain. It's so funny. Wondering if that happens to him a lot because he probably drinks so much coffee, <laughs> yeah. working in a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, yeah, at the beginning of the episode, knowing exactly who did it, that the doc, that the daughter set it all up, you could, you you can notice that the daughter clearly tells her mother to go outside Mm -hmm. (laughs) and check out the, uh, chalk art. And I don't even think I even caught it last time that, uh, she draws this little Mona Lisa in her coffee. And then when we go outside, we see that the chalk drawing was of Mona Lisa. So... I don't even know. I might have caught it, but I don't remember catching it. I don't remember much. Uh, Plus, Keith Mars. Keith freaking Mars. Yeah, Rob, uh, my friend Rob, Rob Thomas, uh, <laughs> uh, talked about uh, just how much of a pro Enrico is. And I, I really kind of focused in on him in this episode. Rob uh, talked specifically just about how delighted he was that uh, he like stops and clicks his pen like eight times right at the end of a scene and then continues his line. And he said that was totally unscripted and just this fun little thing that he threw in there. Um, And just, yeah, Enrico Colantani, just the best. Um, And we do hope that his character comes back in season three, but he's definitely directing an episode. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. Imagine getting him on the podcast. Steph, would you show up? (laughs) 
You can yeah. tell. He, Good. <laughs> he responds to people a lot on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he seems like he's very down to earth. I'm shy. He's I'm... A, a spokesperson <laughs> for an organization here. He does a lot of work with them for um, like uh, PTSD and first responders oh, yeah? because of – I don't. did you guys get Flashpoint in the States? No, it was like we did. Like we knew about it. Yeah, it was like on cable. Like it would show up late nights. So I think I I don't know. I didn't watch it, but I think like they were all cops in Toronto, and then Uh he got involved. So he's like I often see that he's like somewhere here, somewhere in Canada, with that organization doing stuff. So Uh, he seems to be pretty involved in doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. You might. Um, yeah. I'll get back into that once we get season three going again. <laughs> I've yeah. been taking it way too. I mean, we doing a, we're doing a rewatch, so I guess I haven't been taking it completely easy, but I haven't been annoying people and saying, come on our little podcast, please. Okay. I know where I know uh, Genevieve Buchner, Darcy. She's in Unreal. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. The show about, that's the. Supposed Is to be about the, the bachelor. The other one who like she sort of took over Sherry Appleby's like she's the other producer, <laughs> like learning. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So we also have another big part of this episode, of course, is what happens with Blaine, uh, otherwise known as Chinatown. <laughs> and what didn't really work for me in this episode was how Mr. Boss figures this all out. So, yeah. So, uh, Kenny, who, by the way, that he gets a full name in this episode, and it's Kenny Kilmore, <laughs> <laughs> which I never knew before. Um, Kenny recounts his tale of when he was a, a you know a younger dealer. Um, he played the cops uh, against um, the Blue Cobras by dressing henchmen up like Blue Cobras and. Then having them like hold up a cop cutting his nose and then the cops ended up going after the blue cobras and then the corner was his. Um, So all Mr. Boss knows is that Blaine is running a funeral home and he kept his utopium like $4,000 worth of utopium maybe like two years ago. (laughs) And I'm just like, how did he like hearing that story? How did he immediately put it together that like he pulled almost the same kind of thing on him. Like it just like, I understand magic. It's related. Yeah. It's related. Blaine ends up, uh, Blaine asked, you know, put the DA on a diet of brains and made the DA go after him. And then also did the same thing to the reporter. But Mr. Boss doesn't really know all anything about that world. And like, how does he immediately put it together that, um, like, like he even mentions in the car, he's like, lucky you. Yeah, I see how that works, you know, and I, I didn't quite get what they meant by that. Like, I know lucky used the name of the new utopium, but how was it that and how was that another clue? And uh, we'll let uh, we'll let Harold scream at his phone some more. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, unless you guys have any ideas. I just was, why Magic so with certain? a K. Magic's with a K. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he so certain, though? Uh, it's certain enough to murder this guy, like this guy who's now paying him off, doing payments for him. He's gonna. Make did a lot you of guys? Of... I think like when we did, when you guys did this the first time. Like I remember, I called in or whatever, and I was like, I knew the minute he couldn't taste it, did that he was turning back into a zombie. Did you notice that it was a little bit more in in your face this time because you knew that he was gonna turn back into a zombie? <laughs> Or you just were going along with it again, uh, Steph? What do you think? Did you remember? That yeah, it's just that me? scene where he's uh, drinking all the wine. Yeah, and he, he yeah, it's and like, he's it's, like it's bad or something. Yeah, that that really got my attention the first time and, and this time. Gotta say, I didn't even notice. I knew, <laughs> I knew he's getting his throat slit and he's gonna rise from the dead. Um, I forgot that Candy wasn't a zombie. <laughs> So when they go to her eating brains after and, you know, Donnie's like, oh, man, it means that Blaine turned into a zombie, had sex with her and gave her zombie. Um, 
and either as a sexually transmitted disease slash virus or whatever, or scratched her. Yeah, right. <laughs> because it's so small that it will travel through a condom. Right. Again, science. Science. <laughs> the thing that I, I was concentrating on during all those scenes with Candy was the fact that Angus talked about torturing and cutting off the fingers of Candy um, earlier in the season. And mm-hmm. I uh-huh. even brought it up to Rob Thomas during our interview, and he said that, you know, they taped her fingers so it looked like some were missing um, during the Whopper. But in this episode, like, you clearly see all her fingers. <laughs> so, no, I think it looks, they look like stubs. Really? I did not see, I saw full fingers. I didn't even think of that. Anyway. I saw stubs because I was looking for it this time. Okay. I was too, but I saw, all right, all right. I defer to you, and uh, um, hopefully nobody's screaming at their phone. <laughs> I love the callback, though, to the Trivia Genie, the fact that she did, she was the Trivia Genie. Blaine tells her to get that tri- Trivia Genie costume. Daddy, Daddy wants to play. And Oh, oh another favorite moment, because since we're talking about Blaine and Candy, is when yes. he's singing, because uh, I'm a sucker for that. Whiter shade of pale. Well, not specifically the song, but David Anders singing. Yeah. Yeah, Sloan. We'll get three. Yeah. Three of those, at least. Um, yeah. Then the other thing that uh, I was like, huh, it, it, during the uh, conversation in the car is that Mr. Boss talks about being a, uh, was a hell of a dungeon master and that he talks about making your God call. And uh, and and I immediately thought of the fact that in season three, I believe it's going to be episode nine again. Twenty sided, comma die is going to be live on D and D brains. And I also have heard that Mr. Boss will be coming back later in the season. So I'm like, oh my god, are we going to see like Mr. Boss like being a dungeon master, and they have to they have to play a game against him or something? <laughs> uh, this has got to be related, right? I'll let you percolate on that. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> I, I yeah, the the whole thing where uh, they they. Slit his throat, they drop him in the ditch, and he says, Well, God! And he goes, I think we're good. Because <laughs> God did not intervene. In the, I mean, why would he? Explain. Something more sinister yeah. is intervening. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and then, of course, he rises from the dead and scares all the Girl Scouts. Um, and, of course, I think the last thing we have to we have to t- definitely mention is the, the fact that... Uh, Rita is exposed in this episode. Um, sort of. Like, she doesn't know that... Liv doesn't know that Rita is Von de Clark's daughter, but she knows that she was all um, texting and going after Major while being a roommate and just thinks that she's a, uh, quote, sick bitch. So... Um, and, uh, yeah, one thing I got from um, listening to that interview with uh, Robert Buckley was... Uh, the fact that Major says night Rita before he leaves and lives like what? <laughs> Rob actually says that was uh, that was Major did that deliberately. It wasn't a mistake. So, okay. Anything I else? I wonder what he thought would happen. <laughs> I don't know. Like, wouldn't he like worry since she does she he does know that she's connected to Max Rager, Max Rager, a a, a, a place that. Uh, is okay with at least Vonda Clark is okay with sinking an entire shipload of zombies that perhaps maybe Rita would get the upper hand on Liv and uh you know end up getting Liv killed. It's a little yeah. weird. I wonder I don't know, it seems like a not a good play, but Yeah. Maybe Major oh, well. waited outside. Just listened. I don't know. <laughs> at the door. Alright, I heard a smack and Liv screaming at her, so it sounds like she's got she's got this. Uh, who do I have to inject with sedative and put in a freezer tonight? Let's see. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's all. That's everything I have for this episode. You guys are anything else? 
I think I just made a note, and I don't know if it was because Enrico Colantoni was on it, but I and I know the music is similar, but I just had a very distinct like Veronica Mars music feeling when I was watching this episode. Mm. I don't know if other people felt the same, but it was like I don't know. It seemed very familiar. There might have been a music cue. I believe it's the same composer. Anyways, that's the only other note I had. All right, Steph. Yes. You ready for some trivia? Oh no, I am ready. <laughs> I am going to bomb this big time. Oh, there's so much stuff that happened. So much, and I, of course, picked out all the most minute details. Uh, Jen, do you want odds or evens? Uh, let's get it over with. I'll go for odds. Okay. <laughs> Wrong choice. All right. Oh, <laughs> well. Just kidding. Okay, number one, Jen. What word? Really easy to start. What word is flashed on the screen at the end of the Whopper? Oh, Finn. That's right, Finn. Or yes. Oh, we are. And number two, <laughs> Steph, you're lucky. We mentioned this. Maybe you remember. Where in the field okay. are Vic and Lonnie buried? Beside the uh, uh, swing set. Swing set is correct. Ding. You both have a point. Oh gosh. Okay, Jen. Number three, what kind of brains does Jimmy Tr- Jimmy Chu, the reporter, complain to brain ab- uh, complain oh. to Blaine about? <laughs> a Holocaust survivor. That's right. Who was a violin player? Mm-hmm. Um, Steph, number four is who did the snarky Boba Chat podcaster say was a scarier character than Kylo Ren? I have no. Oh, 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 uh. <laughs> Come on, uh, pull it out. What's, uh, an, uh, I can't think of the character's name. You can just say the actor's uh, name. It's fine. Because they say the actor's oh. name. Oh. oh, well, then I'm completely. I have no idea. I have no idea. No jokes. Jen, do you think you have an idea? Just for fun? No. Rick, no. Rick Moranis says Dark Helmets. Uh, Oh. Balls, of All right. Number five is for Jen. What bar does Liv say she worked at? Oh, it's something like Jamaican. <laughs> oh, because she said she invented the orgasm. Yeah, you got that. <laughs> um, but I have to do, you know, the puns. Yeah. I, I single them out. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's something like Jamaican, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Steph, do you remember? Is it Jamaican me crazy? No, it's Jamaican me thirsty. Oh. oh. <laughs> Steph, name one of the three things Liv tells Clive to ask about rain being liquid sunshine. Like she says, rain is liquid sunshine, ask, and then names like three things that Clive should ask. Name Farmers? Yes, you get one of them. Yeah! <laughs> do you remember any other ones just for fun? Nope. <laughs> Jen, do you? Nope, I only had Farmers. The other ones are Duck and Gene Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jen, number seven, you get another business name. <laughs> what was oh. the name of the dark competitor coffee shop to positivity? Uh, was it the Daily Grind? Daily Grind is correct. Ding, ding, ding. All right. Uh, number eight is Steph. What was the name of the human potential seminar that changed Leslie's life? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Jen, do you remember? Uh, no. It didn't really stick out Uh, to me either, but it was, I wrote it down basically because it doesn't. Uh, it's the Beacon Forum. Yeah. Jen, your yeah. last chance to score a point is number nine. Who is the French version of Bob Dylan? <sighs> I knew you were going to ask this, and I tried to rewind it <laughs> to hear what his a, name was. It was a couple of times. And, I, and so my version was out of sync. <laughs> and <laughs> is it? Is it? Antoine or like 
I don't know. I like I try. I knew you were gonna ask this, but I couldn't. I couldn't understand. And uh, well, now actually, I should have watched it on Netflix. I could have had subtitles. Yeah. But I was watching my other version that huh. does not have subtitles. So, Steph, do you remember? Nope. No. It's Jacques Dutron. Yeah. I'm not sure that's a real person, is it? I don't know. Steph, here's your chance to even it up. The score is now three to two, Jen. And you have this question. Who said a work of art is a confession? Which plays into a whole episode. Clough. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Dale? It's somebody that uh, I believe either, uh, I believe uh, Liv quotes to Gilbert. Oh, do you, do, um, no, I don't know. <laughs> Jen, do you remember? No. It's like a philosopher uh, or something, right? Albert Camus, or Albert Camus, as I pronounce it. <laughs> All right, Jen, you win by a point. Woo-hoo! Three to two. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> because you watched <sighs> twice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't get two, two viewings in this week, Jen, uh, Steph? No, no. I'm trying to work overtime because I'm going to New York and oh. <laughs> I don't have time. And it's spring break. Spring break. Obviously, it's time to watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the only thing left we have is feedback. And um, Steph, do you want to uh, do you want to read our Facebook commenter, Marissa in DC? Yes, I can do that. Is it going to take you a moment? You, I'll bring up. I can mm-hmm. read. I can read stuff from our email. Um. Dave says, uh, just got to say, love this show. Found your podcast looking for iZombie details in the long wait and can't wait to start up this upcoming season. Question as a cord cutter, I've always watched this show on Hulu, but I'm told it's no longer to be shown there. Where else can I get it? And uh, yeah, I actually asked our Facebook group. And Dave, if you want to um, join up our Facebook group, it's just search for iZombie podcast on Facebook. Um, but uh, most people just said, get the CW app. Um, there's a lot of annoying ads, like they show the same ad over and over again, but, um, yeah, an ad blocker doesn't work anymore, or at least not for me. (laughs) Frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but still they do put the show on in the app, um, like the next day, you know? So that's really the best, uh, only, only suggestion I had. I, I mean, I know in some countries to say they show it in netflix like the day later but i don't think yes. that's happened what do you i'm think? hoping that we're gonna get that actually okay i'm assuming we are because they just put the the first two seasons on and yeah. that's like how we get jane the virgin we got what's the other one stuff that you liked no tomorrow yeah, yeah. is that the one no tomorrow. Oh, she's probably dealing with saving but <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so that's we get them the day after on Netflix and like Riverdale, the right. hundred, all that. Yeah. Uh, another comment we had on the website, Yerushalmi. Um, by the way, if you want to leave a comment on our website, go to izombiepodcast.com. Always be plugging. Uh, Yerushalmi commented and said, uh, have you noticed how much Robert Buckley looks like speaker of the house? Paul Ryan, especially if Buckley mm-hmm. is clean shaven and has his hair in full boy scout mode. Um, he says this, but this really has nothing to do with anything you said in the podcast. It's just the natural result of watching the late show with Stephen Colbert and then listening to you guys immediately afterwards. Keep up the great work. Um, Got to say, don't see it. Don't see it. And I would never put that on uh, the amazing and awesome Robert Buckley. But <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stay out of U.S. politics. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I did post a picture of uh, of uh, Mr. Trump on our uh, on our Twitter, and it, sh- it showed his tan face, and his hand was lily white. And I was like, "Hmm," <laughs> but that's about as much as I'll get into politics too. <laughs> Steph, do you have that comment, or I could read it? Yeah, okay, Marissa, I have Marissa's comment. Okay, so uh, Marissa DC says the Whopper played what's becoming a fun game of bait and switch with Liv, letting her think that she had a useful FBI agent brain, but actually ending up with a pathological liar, big fish. Uh, but the brain did lead 
to one happy ending, our heroes finding the cachet of tainted utopia at last. On the minor side, Liv sees firsthand some of the unpleasant deeds her boyfriend has been up to and seems to really be regretting getting involved with him. On to Major, he's getting, uh, on to Major, he is captured by one of Blaine's customers, but once he gets to Shady Plots, he plays it smart for once by not telling Blaine who's after his customers. Instead, he brings back Blaine's dad, and Blaine gets to control which zombies disappear now. Uh, for now, everything continues coming up Blaine. <laughs> Eternal Sunshine of the Caffeinated Mind was more upbeat, at least in the brain department. The Optimist brain was a fun change, especially when Liv needed to deliver not-so-good news, not-so-great news. We also learned that Drake is an undercover cop, so we are we're let in uh, in the fact that Liv's involvement with him isn't as bad as it seems to her. It was fun seeing Enrico Calantoni. Calantoni. Kalantani, <laughs> Kalantani, mm-hmm. playing a rough, uh, around the edges detective instead of the steady, honest private eye many of us know him from in Veronica Mars. It was also amusing seeing how quickly Ravi's interest in his favorite barista diminished when she revealed she'd never seen Star Wars. In the ongoing storyline, Blaine finally gets what's coming to him when Mr. Boss scoops him up and kills him. Unfortunately, it doesn't stick as Blaine is resurrected as a zombie once more. Gilderita also gets what's coming to her when Liv throws out uh, throws her out of their apartment in dramatic fashion. Yeah. Definitely a satisfying moment. Only five more episodes to go. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, Marissa. And, of course, we have a nice, uh, nice long uh, email from Efrex. Uh, He says, hey guys, first off, thanks for the kind words last week about my ramblings. It's tons of fun going through the episodes with you, and I'm glad that my brain spewings add something to the mix. Can't wait to hear your takes on the season three teaser trailer. From everything I've seen and heard so far, it sounds like we're going to be getting a very different vibe than we've gotten in seasons one and two, and that's a good thing. A world in which there's lots of zombies should feel different than a world with a limited number of them. And now that Clive's in on the big secret, it should be interesting to see how he balances his regular police work with being a part of the bigger picture. These two episodes, to me, are all about Blaine. It's hard to imagine anyone feeling remotely sympathetic for this mass-murdering, manipulative, megalomaniac... Oh, I almost made it. Megalomaniacal <laughs> menace to society. And yet we do. I'm not sure if it's because of how well the writers and David Anders have created and fleshed out the character, or if my moral compass needs a serious retuning. But I can't bring myself to look at Blaine with the sheer loathing and horror that his actions and attitudes deserve. Yeah, same. <laughs> I tend to be more critical than most about the scientific accuracy in the show. I don't know. Jen's here. Uh, so <laughs> let me just, nope, I'm out. <laughs> let me give an attaboy to the folks responsible for creating the corpses in these episodes. They're quite well done and visually accurate to their causes and times of death. Hmm, okay. I feel like Whopper had some elements that didn't mesh as well as usual. Major's capture in a zombie safe room strikes me as something that would have been better seen rather than described. Yes, agreed. Um, The whole Blaine as old man bit seemed kind of pointless to me, and I don't think Drake's storyline was well-structured at all. I'm still not sure why Carp shot Drake, why Donnie was present when Drake was shot, how Drake stayed on in Mr. Boss's employ after Carp shot him, or why Drake would have his gun out when facing Terrell Johnson, considering what we know from the, ne- from the next episode. I do like the new Major Blaine dynamic, though. Major's increasingly complicated web of loyalties and responsibilities makes him and his actions very interesting indeed. The close-up on the red flag while Les Miserables played in the background, was just a fantastic homage to one of my most beloved musicals. I didn't notice that red flag. Um, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to try to straighten out all the carp stuff. I'm done. Um, 
As for Eternal Sunshine, I was primed to love this episode right from the title, which homage is one of my favorite movies of all time, and I don't think I'd stop, I stopped grinning once throughout. Positivity Live is one of my favorite brains, god damn it, brains, 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 (laughs) and every guest star was brilliant, with particular particular shout-outs to Lola St. Ville as Pam and Enrico Colantoni. Robbie's disappointment in his crush's lack of Star Wars knowledge and love of transgressive rhymes was just great. I'm very proud of myself for having figured out the significance of Blaine's loss of taste on first viewing. Ah, but that didn't make the car scene with Mr. Boss any less intense. Clive doing the slow motion. No, too late to break up an adolescent kiss puts a fitting dark touch on the mystery of the week. Doing everything right and figuring everything out doesn't mean that justice is always properly served, and love can create gross injustices. Pretty heavy stuff to weave into all the humor. Finally, if I'm wrong for cheering every time I watch Liv socking it to Gilda Rita, I don't want to be. I don't want to ever be right. Take care, <laughs> Efrex. <laughs> Thank you, Efrex. Amazing as usual. Um, and with that, do we have anything else we want to talk about before we go? We want to wrap this baby up. Oh, let's wrap this baby up. All right. Well, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Next time we're going to be talking about he blinded me dot, dot, dot with science and pour some sugar zombie. Um, when you need a little more, um, (laughs) And then, of course, the week after, we're going to be powering through three the three final episodes of season two. So um, get ready. The rewatch is almost over. The, the real fun is beginning in just a couple weeks. So, Jen, thank you very much for coming on to our show. Did you want to plug anything? I know you're not you don't do any other podcasts. No. If anybody wants to chat about iZombie, I'm on Facebook. Nine. We can. Chat in the group. If someone wants to teach me more science, I'm up for it. (laughs) (laughs) I heard you're on We Don't Want to Wait this week. So uh, looking looking forward to hearing that. Will I decrease your listenership by 50% if I don't listen when I'm on it? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Probably, yeah. That's true. Well, we won't get the numbers this week, though. So, uh, all right. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. uh, All right, Steph, we're out of here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we seriously need some caffeine. <laughs> All right. Till next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. All right, cool. Oh, me too. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. Send your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for iZombie Podcast, all one word. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow Robin as well at El Robin Yero. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Also, friend of the show, Cheyenne, contributes with Photoshops on our Twitter. Follow her at iZombieLove. Check out our other podcast. You can listen to us binge cast through teen dramas like Dawson's Creek and Popular. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes. You can also listen to us occasionally talk about the Buffy spinoff Angel with our friends. Subscribe to Redemption Cast on iTunes. While you're on iTunes, why not leave us a review? We do this in our spare time so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated and helps us get seen by more iZombie fans. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're done. You think anyone is still listening? Probably not. Zombies! Zombies!